I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Jag's Drive Time with John Osherberger. Brian Sexton. Sexton. Wow. Jags drive time starts right now. Anton, Ben Peterson, head coach, how are you? I'm good. How you doing, coach? Man, we're going to sit here and make you the 27th pick in this draft. How about that? Uh, I'm excited. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. You ready to, ready to come to work? Yes, sir. Hey, we're looking forward to enjoying uh, enjoy these next few minutes. Here's uh, here's our general manager. Congratulations. We're going to get ready to submit the name. I'm going to turn you over to Mr. Khan, our owner. He wants to say hi to you, okay? Okay. Get here ready to work, though, all right, man? Definitely. All right, buddy. Here he is. Hey, Anton. Uh, party hard, man. <laughs> party hard, okay? Enjoy it tonight before the hard lifting starts. So excited to have you. Look forward to meeting you tomorrow. Well, I would say the expectations for Anton Harrison are pretty strong, right? Work hard, play hard. Party hard. Party hard. Let's go. You love it when the owner says that to you. Good morning. Welcome into Jags Drive Time. I'm Brian Sexton. You all know the senior editor, senior writer, John Osier. And uh, post-draft, after months of mock drafts and speculation, here we are with a 13-member draft class. John, the largest in franchise history. Um, I said it on Saturday night. I, I, it was a solid draft. And the more that I went and watched some video of these guys and looked at, at what people had written about them and went through the draft guides, the more I think that the Jaguars, it, it, it's a bunch of doubles, right? And maybe Anton Harrison's a home run. But it's a bunch of moving guys around the bases. And the reality of it is, is that's what you do when you have a franchise quarterback. You just keep stocking the roster. Yeah, I'm not big on draft grades, but I did notice most of the people who who really dig into the draft and do a lot of work before the draft and talk to people graded it about a B. And it, again, the Seahawks draft with uh, Russell Wilson famously got an F yeah. from people. So I'm not a big pre-draft person. But the reason I mention that is I think, I think a lot of people who really studied guys beyond, quote, uh, the sexy picks liked a lot about these picks. Uh, Brenton Strange... Tank Bigsby, uh, Anton Harrison was not, quote, ranked high. But you started hearing after the draft, there were teams that were really considering him in the top 20 and teams who were going to jump at him fast if he got past the Jags. So 
it, it was a draft, to me, the overriding part of this draft. Top three picks, um, to me, fit what Doug Peterson wants to do offensively. It gets you two tight ends that you can really rely on in the passing game. It, it gets you an option if, if Travis Etienne is not available or needs a breather. It gives you a big-time talent option there. It feels more like a Doug Peterson offense. I don't know that they went into that with that, you know, hey, get a Doug Peterson offense in here. But they were clearly leaning that way and looking for opportunities to do that, and I thought they did it. All right, let's get started with big things here on a Tuesday morning from TIAA Bank Field. And we'll start with the big guy, Anton Harrison. He was apparently their guy all along. And John alluded to the stories yesterday. Peter King, in his Football Morning in America column, referenced the fact that the Raiders were talking about moving back and taking him at 12. So for the Jaguars to sit at 27 with the addition of draft choices from two moves back, puts them in a position with the player they want in a position that they needed. There's a lot of consistency in his game. Um, you know, you love everything about his length and, and athleticism, how he moves, his strength. You know, all things, as, as Trent mentioned, that, are, that, that will fit us. And, um, you know, we're just excited for, for Anton and, and uh, just getting in that offensive line room, getting around, you know, the other, the other guys in that room and uh, getting, to, getting to work. And that'll start next week when the rookies arrive for minicamp. Big thing, too, the board. Look, the Jaguars didn't go into the weekend thinking we're going to put together the largest draft class in franchise history. This was not thought to be a deep draft, not thought to be a draft beyond the fourth round that had a lot of pop. But the Jaguars saw the board fall that way after many attempts to use the capital and move back up failed. Well, they just stayed put and picked. We tried to trade up today. We went through 15 or 16 teams when we were trying to trade up. Every team behind us, and not one would make a move. So, you know, that happened to us several times. Uh, and the times we were able to trade back, we just felt at the time that we could trade back and get the players that we were planning on picking anyway, and, and, and were able to do that. So it's just how the draft went this year. And finally, better, because that's what you hope that this draft class does is make your roster better. John, you reverence Tank Bigsby, and a lot of folks are thinking, well, he didn't do that much when he was at Auburn, but Alabama offered him in suburban Atlanta where he grew up. Alabama offered him his freshman year in high school. He's a five-star prospect and a guy who made the most of his opportunities at Auburn. But that's sort of how the entire 13-member draft class pans out. They're good football players who have an opportunity to, no matter what their circumstances were at Auburn or Texas A&M or wherever they played college football, come in and compete here in Jacksonville to make the Jaguars a better football team. Yeah. We have to improve as a football team. We still left a lot of a lot of plays on the field last last fall, both sides of the ball, really all three phases. And 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 so for us it's it's not focusing on other teams as much as it is just us getting better. Um, and and it, it'll start this off season and it'll carry over into training camp. But uh, we have to we have to improve. But it is it is nice knowing that you have you know, the one piece, which is a big piece, obviously the quarterback position. And those are big things. Just give you one more. I mentioned Bixby. Um, the safety Antonio Johnson, who went to Texas A&M, was the number two safety prospect in America behind only Brian Branch, who went in the second round of the Detroit Lions. So just because these aren't guys that maybe you watched every weekend, and those two are guys that we saw in the SEC, doesn't mean they weren't highly thought of prospects with an opportunity 
to come in here and do something. Yeah, a couple of things on the big things. Um, I've gotten a lot of emails saying, well, the Jaguars gambled by trading back and then couldn't trade back up, so that makes the draft a failure. I got Well, and if, if Brian, big if, if they had indeed gambled, I could see that thought. But the trade backs that netted the four additional picks, I think I'm getting the math right. They had four additional picks. They went in with nine, came out 13. Right. Um, had they lost players that they wanted, then I could see those being gambled. If you had said, okay, we really want Antoine, Anton Harrison, I'm sorry, uh, so we're going to trade back and then lose Anton Harrison to gain those picks and then not be able to use them, then your plan failed. As it was, they traded back three spots to get three of the picks and still got the guy they wanted. They traded back uh, Brenton Strange, I forget how far, five? Yeah. And, and, but one of Brenton Strange. From 56 to So 61. there was no loss, therefore no risk. So they couldn't use the capital that they got, so they just stayed put. But it didn't cost them anything to do it, is my point. How many times, Brian, and this is, uh, I understand why people think about the draft this way. Uh, the other criticism I've heard is, well, you need to get starters in the first three rounds. Okay, well, I think Anton Harrison can be a starter. Immediate starters? Well, starters... Harrison's going to be. Right. How many times... The NFL is not a league of 11 on 11. Right. I, I know personally there were times last year where I said to myself, I wonder why they're not, like, using more tight end packages. Um... Just and then the second thing I wondered a lot is, boy, I wonder what they're going to do if they don't have Travis in the second half of the season as a legitimate guy to come in. I Travis Etienne. Did Jermichael Hasty was a nice change of pace insert big touchdown guy? Absolutely, and he he filled a role. I think he's a nice NFL player, but not an every down back. But I don't know that you want him starting and being the reliable. Well, now if they don't have Etienne, you're not panicked anymore. So how? worried would you have been late in that playoff run if they hadn't had Travis Etienne on the field? Etienne made one of the plays of the year with a 25-yard run there to set up the game winner against the Chargers. So you need about 14, 15, 16 guys offensively. Five five offensive linemen and and, and the quarterback are always going to stay the same. The other guys, Doug likes having 10 or so guys for those six spots. The draft this weekend gave them two more guys that I think – he feels like at some point this season are going to be legitimate parts of that puzzle. That's not nothing. Here's the other thing. And Trent mentioned this in his news conference on Saturday night. Undrafted rookie free agency has gotten to be an expensive proposition because teams are out there competing and throwing dollars around. So with the extra four picks, you basically got a jump start on guys that you were interested in bringing in as undrafted rookies. You were able to secure their services without bidding against other teams for them. And roster management will become incredibly difficult, challenging, and important next year if the Jaguars go ahead and give Trevor Lawrence his you know, first bite of that big apple, mm-hmm. which is now we know more than $53 million. So having extra picks gives you extra flexibility, gives you fixed cost labor. I don't want to say cheap labor because nothing in this league is cheap. But they're going to play at a fixed cost mm-hmm. for a couple of years, which helps you manage – the upper end of the roster, and quite frankly, we've never seen it in Jacksonville. We've right. never seen the mega contract. You can say Nick Foles, but it was one year. We've never seen that you've got to manage it over time because it was never there, and they've never had that guy. Yeah, 
and they um, fifty three guys is kind of a misnomer in this league. Now you really need about sixty. Yeah. Some of these guys will be practice squad guys to start, I'm sure, but they'll be available guys. They'll be parts of the puzzle. Um, look, I, I'm not sitting here saying that it was it it was the sexiest draft I've ever seen, but if you're going to pick twenty seven to be at the bottom of the draft, I. I, I covered an awful lot of drafts with the Colts that, that, that uh, weren't very sexy, and they kept going to the playoffs because they kept having good players late in the first round. All right, there are big things to kick the show off this morning. When we come back, we'll go a little deeper. We'll look at some position-by-position groups, see where these guys fit in, and discuss more of the Jaguar solid draft class from last weekend. At least that's my opinion. We'll be back right after this on Jags Drive Time. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. There's always time to add, you know, and we're in a good situation from a cap perspective, uh, a lot less tight on the cap than we were a year ago. Uh, there's room to work here. We're not, you know, and Coach and I talked about this right after the draft. We're not done putting this team together. You know, we're going to take a hard look at what we have. we got a great chance with these young guys coming in in a couple of weeks and then over the next month or so watching them as they go through the offseason program and really kind of assess where we're at. Welcome back to Jags Drive Time. Brian Sexton along with John Osher. You have a thought? Yeah, that tells me, Brian, I, I, uh, it, it, that comment sounds like a veteran pass rusher. Uh, and, and for this reason, if you looked, I think they would have liked to have gotten an edge guy somewhere in the draft, and they did, but I think they really looked at that. Uh, I think if there had been a really good edge that they really loved at 24. I think they strongly considered it. Uh, that, that's a tough spot to get there, especially if you're trying to get some immediate impact. Um, so it, it, and this is just sort of uh, putting uh, three and four together and getting six. But if you go into this and think, okay, I don't love the edges here, and I'm going to commit a ton of money in the first round to one that I don't necessarily trust. Or I can go out on the market and maybe give some short-term money for some immediate gain that I'm not committed to forever, because you're committed to that uh, first round or four years. Right. Uh, maybe that played into philosophically a little bit. Also, would it still wouldn't stun me if if they looked at corner, uh, you know, uh, uh, for nickel. They they talk about Trey Herndon, and I like Trey. Uh, I wonder if they wouldn't try to find veteran there. Uh, just to compete with him, get you know, have that piece of the puzzle at nickel. Uh, again, that's not hearing anything. Sure. It's just looking. Those are the two spots that you feel like you may be talking about. All right. Well, let's throw up a couple of graphics and show you how it stacks up. And again, totally unofficial, just putting names up here. So let's take a look at the offensive line group first because of Anton Harrison's arrival and the pending suspension of Cam Robinson. And Cam, obviously, he's not listed there at this particular moment. But when you see... 
a big right tackle. Because let's be honest, I mean, Cole Van Landen's not that guy, right? Blake Hance is not that guy. To be able to have that right tackle gives you a lot of comfort's probably the, the strong word, but you feel good about having a big, talented young guy, even if he's inexperienced against NFL pass rushers with this offensive line group. Yeah, and I wonder um, how it'll look. Because uh, Doug said the other night, Anton's going to start at right tackle. Uh, that puts Walker Little at left. You wonder how it's going to play out. I would imagine he'd stay at left. Don't you think so? After Cam gets back? Yeah, I mean, he, he's going to be the left long-term left yeah. tackle here. Um, so why wouldn't you just leave him there? And by the way, if Harrison is as good as they hope he is, yeah. Cam's going to become a swing guy, right? I mean, again, you're talking about the guy with the yeah. highest cap figure on your roster. Yeah. It seems preposterous to say that. But his number is such that he's probably not going to be here in 2024. Yeah, I can't see him being a swing. I, I've got to think they try to get all three on the field. Uh, I think it's a fascinating conversation, mm-hmm. and I don't know the answer to it. We don't know I, how many games he's he's been suspended for yet, right? Do we? And I mean, it could be two, four, or six. No, I don't. Okay. Um, but I think the fascinating thing is that I'm not sure they know exactly how it's going to play out. Yeah, you know. And I think it's it's okay. I think that well, but if you think about it, I also think this time last year, uh, I I thought Walker Little was going to start at right tackle. Yeah, I did too. So this is a staff that will allow this to play out over the course of the right amount of time to figure out how this might work. And I would suppose that and if it's, it's a good problem to have. If it's a two-game suspension, all right, so maybe he comes in, he goes right back to right tackle. Who knows? And Harrison could slide somewhere else. But Doug was pretty direct on Friday in his news conference and talking about he's going to be the right tackle. That's where we're working. Um, if it's four or six games, that could change the dynamic for sure. How about a look at the defensive line to give you a sense of where this particular group is heading in? And... Congratulations to Devon Hamilton, who got his long-term contract. And you see that they add Tyler Lacey, who's a big-bodied, sort of Dwan Smoot kind of guy, uh, a little bit bigger than Dwan at 280 pounds, but a guy who can play three technique, five technique. He's not a wide nine rusher, John, but he's that kind of depth that they don't have with Dwan Smoot coming off injury not on the roster. Well, and and you need that. I Again, I look at their defensive personnel, and it, it's as hybrid as it gets right now. Uh, and I think we always talk about 3-4, 4-3, whatever. Uh, you've got a lot of guys who, who can play a lot of different roles, and that's what you need in the modern NFL. I like Lacey from what I've seen of him, uh, and I think your comparison's dead on. Smoot, who, who's, who's incredible value to this team, was always being able to get a little bit of, of extra oomph wherever you happen to put him. He, he could go edge, not wide nine, but he could play off the edge, uh, play defensive tackle, play defensive end. Uh, if Lacey's smoot and you got him in the fourth round, you love that pick. Uh, let's take a look at the defensive backs because this is obviously an area of focus that people think they haven't quite addressed. And you see, the here's a couple names, right, before we talk about the rookies. How about Gregory Jr. and Monteric Brown? Sixth and seventh round picks last year. And and this is an area that people just, they gloss over it. They think you only add by bringing new players in. But what if those two guys are appreciably better in their second year? That'd be a big step up. Monteric got on the field some last year. Gregory Jr. really didn't. But when we talk about adding a corner in, um, oh, 
Let me see his name up there. The uh, the young man from Rutgers, right? Right. You add him, and you say, well, I mean, what's a guy going to do in the seventh round? But you got those two guys that you hope are in front of him, and he doesn't have to come in and play right away. Um, you hope, and I think this is the. Uh, I think if Trent were sitting here, he would tell you this. If you're going to be a, a a draft and develop team. You need your day one and day two picks to be really, really good. You also need, if you're drafting over the course of three or four years, once every a couple of years, you need a sixth-round, seventh-round guy to be able to at least place hold a spot in the lineup for you for a year or two. Yeah. Because if you're going to have the huge contracts at the top, uh, and uh, not just quarterback, but if you're going to have the star contracts that are really carrying you, a, those players have to be good enough to carry non-stars to the playoffs, but then you've got to have some late-round picks because you can't draft everything that you need to supplement those big contracts, even in the rotation we're talking about, the four-year rotation of draft picks. If you draft them and they're gone, you can't do all that in the first, second, and third round. You need some fifth and sixth and seventh-round picks to come in and fill that hole Ideally, uh, that would happen at cornerback this year because you drafted two sixth and seventh rounder last year. You drafted one this year. At some point, you need one of those guys, you know, to come up seven. All right, last group we'll take a look at, and this is the sexy position. Uh, this is the wide receiver tight end group to show you the weapons that you mentioned earlier that Doug likes to have six, seven, eight, nine guys that he can work with. And obviously, we know what Kirk and Agnew and Zay Jones did last year. Evan Ingram had that huge year. Now you bring in a guy like Brenton Strange that we've talked about, and Parker Washington, who is a slot guy with run-after-the-catch ability, had made some tremendous catches in that Ohio State game when Penn State played them last year. Um, you've got some interesting guys. Tim Jones is a guy last year we watched really come on strong in August and just didn't get his opportunities because of Kirk and Zay and Evan you got some guys you can work with there. Yeah, Calvin Ridley, now in that graphic. Uh, Either, yeah, he's the big Pretty good, there. too. Um, but what strikes you here for me, we have talked about Kirk and Ridley and Zay Jones and Ingram a lot. We've even talked about uh, a strange coming to be a supplement. It feels like uh, Parker Washington, Tim Jones, somebody out of that group – they were really healthy in this spot last year. Uh, their receivers, none of them missed any significant time. They were always and, – and they always felt pretty full go. Uh, Parker Washington's interesting on that front because he, he's a run-after-catch guy. He can do some things. I think my spidey sense tells me, Brian, they're going to need somebody in that group to sort of step up and, and, and be a surprise guy this year. So that's something to watch. Tim Jones, Parker Washington, uh, somewhere in that group. I don't know that you can count on full health all the time out of that bunch. All right, that'll do it for our look around the roster immediately following the draft. When we come back, we jump into the Ozone Mailbag and give you a look at what John is answering this week in the column. Back after this on Jags Drive Time. We just wanted to add good football players. You never go wrong adding guys that love to play the game, that are smart, you know, competent guys, uh, that, that uh, you know, versatility, we use that word a lot, but a lot of the guys you can see as we add these pieces, they're ver they have versatility. 
And when you only have 53 guys on a roster, you need that. You know, this isn't college where you turn around and you got 57 guys to, or uh, 60, 70 guys to choose from while the other ones are out on the field or more. You got 53 and only 48 on game day. So the more they can do, the better. Uh, but, you know, we're excited for this group to get them in here and just get our hands on them and see exactly what we got and let them show us what they can do. This broadcast is Ozone friendly. And time for the Ozone Mailbag here on Jags Drive Time. Brian Sexton, John Osier. Let's get right to it. Tony joins us from Johns Creek, Georgia. And he says, I sense Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson's master plan is to outscore their opponents. Yeah, and, and it's uh, it's it's been fairly obvious even last year that was a little bit of their thought. Uh, again, I think the good teams in the draft, and I, and I think Trent drafts very, very well along these lines, they do let the draft come to them. And, and, and to a degree, you let the quality of player you get a little bit dictate the direction of the franchise because you want good players. Uh, so I, I don't think the Jaguars went into this draft saying we are going to get more dynamic on offense. But I think on their board, they left room for that possibility, if that makes sense to saying it. It does. So I think when it fell to them, they had zero problem saying, you know what, we could go tight end or, you know, say second round. We could go tight end or edge rusher here. Well, who do we trust more to be a really good player? Well, the tight end. Well, then there's no problem with with sort of pushing forward with that manpower. Same with the running back. You know, a lot of teams philosophically may not have done that. Hey, we have a starter at running back. We don't need that. Well, Doug's saying, hey, I can use this guy. This is fine. We'll get a lot better here. And so I think the end result is I do think you have a team right now that looks like it's going to try to get to 31 every week and assume that our defense is going to stop you enough where you don't get to 31. Well, Daniel Jeremiah last week uh, at the draft told me, he calls it the Patrick Mahomes effect, right? You're not going to shut down Patrick Mahomes. No one has. What you hope to do is break serve two or three times in the second half, and your offense then has to be ready to go and score because you've got to score one more than they do. And he, when he looked at the Jaguars roster, he said tight end is a big need for them because it's one more thing that will open up Calvin Ridley. It'll open up Zay Jones. It'll open up Christian Kirk. His philosophy, his philosophical bend for the Jaguars from his perspective was find ways to score one more than Kansas City. All right, up next, JT from Palm Coast. He says the AFC South is going to look extremely different with all new quarterbacks. Funny how Lawrence is the elder statesman. This is going to be our division for the foreseeable future. Well, JT's confident. I mean, it's it's uh, and you know on uh, on paper the Jaguars would be the favorite, and they're deservedly favored. They won the division last year. They have the veteran quarterback, and they have the most dynamic. You know, in the AFC right now, it's it's a, it's a conference of quarterbacks, really, except in the AFC South outside uh, Trevor Lawrence. So, yes, on paper they should own the division. Um, you have to go in, you know, my my counter to that is always they needed a fumble return for a touchdown to own it last year. Yeah. So let's not anoint them champions for the next five years until they do it for a couple of years. So 
But you're on board with them being favored because I, I read uh, and I heard from a number of people saying that there's no reason why the Texans and the Colts and the Titans is a wide open division. I don't see it as wide open with the 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 leaning on rookie quarterbacks yeah. in all three yeah. other cities. I mean, if it, I'm Mr. Cautious and you have to win it on the field. Uh, but if if you're analyzing this division on paper, if, if you look at this Jaguars offense, I think it's the best roster. Adding Ridley and adding to what is was already very good, it it's hard for me to imagine a a 24 point offense last year. It's hard to imagine this not being a 26 or 27 point a game offense. Um, I don't know that the other teams in the AFC South look right now like they are going to be dynamic on that level. Well, Tennessee's so, rebuilt their offensive line, yeah. and you don't know whether Tannehill's the guy or not. They certainly didn't want him necessarily to be right. at the end of last year. They were looking to move on. Uh, I think the Colts have a very talented roster, although it massively underperformed on the offensive line last year. Yeah, the offensive line is so not we'll see. what it was two or three years ago. Look, And Houston's young. Houston is relying on a lot of young guys. You always... Yeah. It's never done until you win, but it's hard to look at the division objectively and not say this team is the favorite. Okay, finally, uh, Jason from North Pole, Alaska. Of our three offensive tackles, Cam Robinson, Walker Little, and Anton Harrison, which do you think is most likely to finish the year starting at left guard? You know, I, when I answered this in print, remember print, Brian used to have uh, print newspapers. I always say I, print. I do. I, I remember the old days of Jaguars Inside Report. When I answered this in the netherworld of the web, uh, I went with Harrison because he's the rookie, and I could see a scenario: Cam's out four weeks, and they say, you know what, Cam's a left tackle, been a left tackle for six years. We're going to trust what we've had. We're going to trust Walker Little. But it, it's it's really a moving part situation because you, you, I don't know a Walker Little left tackle that's all he's really played in the NFL, and that's supposedly where he's best. It's really all Cam's ever played in the NFL. And then it's also Antoine, I mean, a- Anton Harrison. It's what he played in college. So you sort of have three guys who were, who, if they're sitting in coach's office and you ask those guys, where are you most comfortable? They're all going to say left tackle. So I, there's no real logical slotting to that. I went with Harrison. I could see it being Cam. Yeah, I, I, the more I think about it, the more I think it's Cam. Because he's not in your long-term plan. I mean, no, they haven't said that, by the way. That's We're all assuming, looking at his cap number and the fact that they have drafted Little and, and Harrison, it's, it's a logical assumption. I would think that would be Cam. But that's only because if it's me, I want the guy who's going to be my starter at left tackle yeah. and at right tackle in 2024 playing there in 2023. That scenario, if, if we're sitting in the bar arguing about it, that scenario makes a lot of sense. Um, if, if I countered with well, wouldn't you just stick with the veterans outside and move the rookie inside for a year? You'd probably say, well, that makes sense too. So, you know, I I think it's a coin flip. I can kind of see both sides of it on that front. All right, we'll come back and wrap up Jags Drive Time on a Tuesday morning from TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville right after this. All right, let's wrap things up here on a Tuesday morning, and uh, a lot going on. Um, you look at it, the, uh, the rookie minicamp is next week, the 11th through the 13th, uh, so the players will be here. Uh, again, rookie minicamp since Dante Fowler Jr. tore his ACL back in 2015. It's not 
it's not mini camp as much as it is bring them in, get them used to how the week rolls, get them out on the field because they've been going through John this this draft evaluation right. process. They've not been football players as much as athletes trying to hit numbers. So you want to get them loose, get them relaxed, and and get them to understand what it's like being a professional. Well, this is an easy thing for Doug because uh, he played. Teams have figured out that the gain of rookie minicamp, yeah. meaning, hey, let's go out and hit, let's go out and do pass rush drills. It ain't worth it. Doing that in May. Uh, what in the world is that going to benefit a guy in August, especially when they're playing against, you know, you get the number one draft pick playing against a defensive end from, you know, uh, who's that wherever, yeah. who, who's trying to prove himself. There's, there's this very high, whatever risk there is, there's no reward to it. Uh, now, Doug did a little more, as I recall, a little more than what uh, Marone did when he was here, I think. Uh, but the less the better on that front this week. Also the, coming next, next week. week. Uh, also, and, and, and we've heard different dates, uh, but it's looking like the schedule will be released next week. Uh, we heard the 12th at one point. Now we're hearing the 11th. But it is likely to pop next week, so we'll get a chance to see how it all plays out. Uh, the 22nd is when OTAs get going, so we'll see the veterans on the field back then. Uh, and then, of course, tomorrow night, coming back to this week, uh, huddle up with Bucky Brooks. I know you love that show. And uh, happy hours on Thursday with JP and Jeff. We'll be here. All right. For John Osier and Joe Fortunato and Brent Reber and David Cho and our entire broadcast crew, thanks so much for joining us here. We'll be back next Tuesday with another edition of Jags Drive Time. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 